I know that. How can I know that and not know who I am? Couldn't resist a bit of Jason Bourne. If you haven't watched the Bourne movies, I highly recommend them to you. So we might not be having such an identity crisis as Jason Bourne, but we're asking that question, and people in our culture, our family and friends, are asking this question. Who am I? They're soul-searching. We may not be asking it consciously, but our search for meaning in life, our search for belonging and identity is so obvious in the way we choose to present ourselves to the world, the tribes that we identify ourselves with. It can be about what music we listen to. Is it Justin Timberlake? A bit of Adele? Maybe Beyonce? I don't know. Maybe Classic FM. Is it the sport that you support? Are you football or are you rugby down around this part of the world? That's a big thing. Or is it cricket or hockey or what is it? The friends that you keep, the causes you support. People spend a lot of time, don't they? A lot of effort and money on self-creation. And there's a new word for this, but it's not very new anymore. The world, word selfie. Put your hand up if you've ever taken a selfie of yourself. I confess. So there must be a few, a few more of us than that, if we're honest. And taking a selfie, that's more like it. The, the selfie, Facebook, where we create our visual identity for all to see and where we choose what to include and what to leave out. What do you want to project? What image of yourself do you want to project to the world? Because we don't exist in isolation, do we? We care about what other people think about us. So just for a second, I would like you to turn to your neighbour and complete the following sentence. I am dot, dot, dot. So just describe yourself to your neighbour. You've got 10 seconds. Ready, steady, go. Good stuff. The pressure's off. Time's up. Uh, does anybody want to share? Nobody has to, but does anyone want to share what they said? It can be as frivolous or as meaning and deep as you want. Anyone want to share what they said? I wonder. Okay, I'll ask some people afterwards. You can tell me afterwards. How do you describe yourself? And what do you want to say about yourself? It's all part of needing to know what this life is all about. Finding ourselves. I remember growing up that uh, I had an older sister and a younger brother. And I was always trying to distinguish myself and my own identity. I wanted to prove to everybody else that I was unique. Uh, I copied my sister quite a lot, which she got really annoyed about because she was the oldest. So I copied her and she was like, seriously? And now I find myself becoming a vicar and she's been a vicar for a long time. One of the things that slightly put me off becoming a vicar. But we want to prove our own identity, our uniqueness, because we want to stand out in this world. Or maybe, for some of us, it's the opposite. We want to make sure that we blend in and that we don't stick out like a sore thumb because that's our character trait. We don't want to draw attention to ourselves. Who are we? Why are we here? The age-old questions, but they are so current. 
Ecclesiastes, one of the books in the Old Testament, the writer is desperately searching for meaning in life. He tries pleasure, he tries knowledge, he tries success and work, he tries suffering and riches and family and all sorts of things. And his conclusion is the most depressing conclusion in the Bible, that everything is meaningless. He says, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. And that is the reality of life without God. Of course, the majority of people in this country are trying to find the answers to questions of identity and meaning without any reference to God. There's a chap called Soren Kierkegaard, and he says, it is the normal state of the human heart to try to build its identity around something besides God. The trouble is, there is no meaning or purpose without God. And a writer, Timothy Keller, you might have read some of his stuff, he's amazing. He points out that if you try to put anything in the middle of the place that was originally meant and made for God, it is going to be too small. It cannot fill that void in our lives. Without God, our identity fluctuates depending on what's happening in our lives, our circumstances, the people that are around us. And people are driven to reinvent themselves in order to remain current and relevant. The queen of this, this is showing how old I am, but I still think she is the queen, is of course Madonna. Goodness me, she has reinvented herself so many times. And she did an interview for Vogue magazine. Fascinating what she says. She writes this. My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. But then I feel I am still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. Madonna, meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So what's the alternative, church? That's what we're going to be looking at in this series on our identity. And the Bible gives us a radically different perspective. There's more to my identity and more to your identity than we can create in a selfie. As Christians, our identity is bound up, totally bound up with Jesus, who he is and the impact he has on our lives. As Christians, our lives are reorientated to revolve around God. As Christians, we become more concerned about what God thinks of us than what others think about us. God says to you tonight, there is more to you, there is more about you than you could ever create in a selfie. What we believe about ourselves and who we are will, in a large part, determine how we live, 
how we treat our own bodies, how we treat others, how we relate to God, what we believe about our destiny. So it is vitally important that we find our identity in the only one who can give meaning to life. The place where we usually go wrong is that we have the focus in the wrong place. Who do we look to? We look to ourselves in finding meaning and fulfillment. We look to create our own identity. We center our world on ourselves, but we weren't created to live life that way. We were created to be in relationship with God. We were created to be worshippers, centering our very being around the one who is good, loving, holy, God. Your identity is that you are not God. You were not meant to be the centre of the universe. God is meant to be the centre of the universe. And if we've got that wrong, then everything will be dramatically out of kilter in our lives. So we're starting this new series based on the book of Ephesians, in which Paul addresses the church in Ephesus. And he talks so much about who we are in Christ. If we can understand our identity as Christians, it will transform the way we live. And here at St. Saviour's, we believe God is calling us to transformed lives. Because our identity will be restored, our God-given, created for identity. Josiah is going to come up and he's going to bring us our reading from Ephesians 1, verses 1 to 14. Can you hold a microphone and a Bible and read and everything? Amazing. Thanks, Josiah. All righty. Uh, so we have Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mysteries of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ." In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Desire. 
Brilliant. What an absolutely fantastic passage. I love Ephesians. I think that is absolute gold in that passage. And so often it talks about in him this, in him that, in him. It's all about Jesus and finding our place in him, finding who we are in him. And of course, Paul is writing to this baby church in Ephesus. And just at that time, they were going through all sorts of things, culturally, spiritually, social. There was all sorts of ideas and philosophies up in the air. There was all sorts of discussion in this baby church in Ephesus, just as there is today in our world. All sorts of ideas, all sorts of philosophies, all sorts of ways of life. Such a similar time in so many ways. And Paul addresses this issue by pointing the Ephesian church to Jesus, encouraging them to understand their identity in relation to him. We're going to watch another little clip now, which gives more of a biblical answer to the question, who am I? Take a look at the screen. Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? An accountant? A teacher? A mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student? An MVP? A winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace his identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all he has planned for me. God calls me his child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me his masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? It is so, so true. There was a moment in the week gone by where I sat down on my bed and I was very stressed. I thought, can't do this anymore. I have way too much on my plate. There's all these relational stuff. There's work stuff. There's so much going on. There's change. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And I hadn't yet done my Bible readings that day. Now, usually I do them in the morning. But we're getting back into a routine and trying to get JD to school and get up and get everything. I'm like, whoa, this is a bit of a shock. So I hadn't got to my Bible readings. And I knew immediately I felt as I lay on my bed and I said, flipping heck, God, I don't know what to do get into the word. And at the moment, I'm doing my Bible readings on audiobook, so I listen to my Bible readings, and it was unbelievably apt, and so often this is the case, as I let the words of the scriptures wash over me and remind me 
that he is in control, that all things are in his hands, that he loves me, that he will always be faithful and he will not let me down. And it just gives you a fresh perspective. And as we look at the the Bible together in this book of Ephesians, and as you spend time day by day and week by week in the word of God, expect God to show you who you are in Christ because he loves to do it. And as we get that revelation of who we are in Christ on a day-by-day basis, you see, the things I listened to on my Bible reading that day were not new to me. I have heard them many times, and yet I need to hear them again and again and again. And it might just be because I'm thick, or it might be that we all need to hear again and again and again God's word speaking into our lives. So we need to know, it is essential to know who we are in Christ. We need to know that we receive our identity as Christians from Jesus and from all that he has done for us. And time and again in this passage, it says, it is in Christ. So we're going to have a look at the passage very quickly, uh, a little bit more in more depth, and just going to look at four things that Paul says about our identity in Christ. Four things that become part of our identity when we are in Christ and our world is orientated around him. The four things are we are blessed, we are chosen, we are graced, and we belong to God. So let's take a look at the first thing. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That was in verse 3. What does blessed mean? It doesn't mean lucky. You can't translate it as that. It doesn't mean that everything will go right all the time. It does mean that we have all we need for life in all its fullness. Life in all its fullness. That's God's attitude towards us. It's one of favour. He loves to give to us that all his riches and mercy, his joy, his peace, his love are upon us, that we will lack nothing in terms of our walk with Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul gets so carried away in that passage that Josiah read for us that verses 3 all the way through to 14 in the Greek are one sentence because he's just going, he's pouring out and pouring out and pouring out of him how glorious the riches of God's grace and mercy are. Amazing. Most of us have only scratched the surface of all the blessings that are ours in Christ. There's so much more to discover. So do you believe tonight that God's heart is towards you to bless you? Do you believe it? You see, that is part of our identity, to be a blessed one. We are blessed. Do you believe it? Number two, we are chosen. It says it in verse four, in verse five, and in verse 11, that we are chosen. And to grasp the significance of this, I want you to think for a moment about a situation in which you weren't chosen. Anybody watch The Voice or The X Factor at the moment? And you see the look on the faces of the contestants who were not chosen, that horrific disappointment of not being chosen. What came to your mind? Not being chosen for a team, 
Not being chosen to be included in a group of friends that you really thought. Not being chosen as a boyfriend or girlfriend for that particular person. Not being chosen to get that job that you had your heart set on. See, we long to be included. And part of our identity as a follower of Jesus is that you are chosen by God. So we can take the opposite of that feeling of not being chosen and know that we are chosen by God. We are set apart. You were not passed over by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The most magnificent one chose you. Number three, you are graced. In other words, you are the recipient of God's undeserved love and grace because you are in Christ, because he died for you in your place. You are graced. Verse 7 uses the word redeemed. This is a description from the slave market. Anyone seen the film 12 Years a Slave? A really, really powerful, powerful film. It follows um, the story of Solomon Northup, a free man who is abducted and sold into slavery. Slaves are helpless. They can't help themselves in their predicament, whether in big or small situations. They are trapped. There is no way out. And in the slave market, if a slave was redeemed, it meant that someone paid a price for their freedom. And that's what God in Jesus has done for you. You are chosen. You are redeemed. Finally, you belong to God, number four. The NIV describes us as God's possessions. In verse 14, we belong to God. We are his. We are bought at a price. We are his children. You are adopted as his child, his son or his daughter. And there are six times in the Old Testament that we, as the people of God, are referred to as God's treasured possession. Is that a beautiful phrase? You are God's treasured possession. I love the verse in Isaiah where God is speaking and he says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. There's somebody tonight that needs to hear those verses from their Heavenly Father today. We belong to God. What freedom all of this brings that we can get out of the rat race of trying to prove ourselves all the time, of trying to prove who we are. No more. No more meaningless chasing after the wind. No more striving to be what others say is acceptable. No more feeling that we are not of any worth because we have been chosen, called, redeemed. Our, identify, our identity, oh, that's a difficult one. Our identity is that in Jesus, we are blessed, we are chosen, we are graced with redemption and forgiveness, and we belong to God. As the band come up, we're going to stand and just going to pray over us. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we just ask right now in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would move amongst us. 
Lord, for many of us, we've heard this message before. For some of us, we've heard this message for the first time. But we pray, whether it's for the first time or for many times, that you would impact our hearts and minds tonight with the truth of your word. That we are loved and chosen, children of our Heavenly Father. That we can find our identity, not in the things of the world, not in our selfie, not in what we do, but in you. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you would minister to our hearts, stir our hearts as we worship you in the freedom that we have because you have won that for us. You have redeemed us. You have paid the price upon the cross so that we can be free from fear and shame and guilt. We can come freely before our Heavenly Father no matter what we've done or where we've been. And again and again and again we can be received into the arms of love that are always open for us in Jesus Christ. So we pray that as we respond now, that you would help us to really get a fresh revelation of who we are in you. Of who we are in you, Heavenly Father. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.